title of this message is called Faith, Acts, Acts 9, 36-43. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, who is translated Dorcas. Aren't you glad your mother didn't choose that name? This, <laughs> this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing him the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter she sat up then he gave her his hand and lifted her up and when he had called the saints and widows he presented her alive and it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord and so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner so a little bit of background Jesus had originally told the disciples that they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth unfortunately they had pretty much stayed in Jerusalem Eventually, persecution broke out, and as a result, the believers had to scatter, and guess what they did whenever they scattered? It's kind of like everywhere they went, they had holes in their, in their seed bags, and, and wherever they went, those seed would fall out. Wherever they went, they were telling people about the Lord. They preached the gospel. So now we find believers throughout the regions outside of Jerusalem, not just in Jerusalem, and we find that Peter himself is moving farther and farther away from the city, and those that were in Jerusalem had been Hebrew-speaking Jews, and as he visits these new pocket of believers, we're finding that the people that left Jerusalem were telling the people who spoke Greek. They were Jews, but now they were Greek-speaking Jews. And yes, there was a distinction back then. It's kind of uh, like um, someone that speaks Spanish and someone that speaks Spanish that's from Spain, the person that's from Spain, they kind of look down, and I don't mean this to be mean, I just found they kind of look down on other people that speak Spanish because they don't speak it like they do. Right, and that's kind of how the Jewish people did. They didn't even speak sp uh, Spanish. They spoke. They didn't speak Hebrew. They spoke Greek. And so, in the minds of a lot of Hebrews, they were compromising already with the world. So Peter is going out to them. They're believers that are coming up among them. As Peter responds to the various needs, God blesses his activities. Uh, there was a guy right before this passage named Aeneas. He is healed supernaturally. Uh, Tabitha, who we're going to look at here in this verse, is raised from the dead. And many people, because of what God is doing supernaturally, turn to Christ. And I didn't, I didn't work it up, but I had something that I was thinking about, and at some point I may preach it. Uh, I was trying to think of a time in the book of Acts where evangelism and the supernatural move of God were not correlated and not working together. Today, we want to evangelize without the supernatural, and it seems like God always evangelized with the supernatural. Anyway, we'll save that for another time. Ultimately, but getting back to our message today, we see that Peter is led by God to the house of a guy named Simon, where he receives a vision that will impel him to preach the gospel to a Roman household where the Gentiles, non-Jews, not just Jews that spoke Greek, but now non-Jews will be unquestionably shown by God their, uh, through the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be a part of the church, to be a part of his body. But for now, now that you have kind of the context, let's get back and focus on what happened in Joppa with a woman disciple by the name of Tabitha. So first point, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Um, the word disciple is from the Greek word 
methetes, it means a learner, a follower. So a disciple is someone that's open to learning, open to receiving from God. By the way, if you ever become learned, you are no longer a disciple. So if you ever buy that, been there, done that, bought that t-shirt, you can consider yourself not to be a disciple anymore. Because if you're a disciple, you're always going to be learning. Didn't Jesus say uh, that you put new wine into new wineskins? A new wineskin has to be flexible to receive the new wine. To be a learner means that I'm flexible to receive new things that God wants to show me. If I ever think that I, I've got it all and I become inflexible, in a sense, you're no longer a disciple. Now, I just mean that in the technical sense of the term. It doesn't mean that you don't know the Lord and you're not going to heaven. But if you want to be a follower of Christ, you've got to come to a place where you realize God knows more than you and he hasn't exhausted his knowledge on us. Okay? So anyway, in Matthew 4, 18 through 20, uh, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said, follow me and I will make you... Fishers of men, Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Uh, why are we focusing on that? Because I want you to see that when we're talking about disciples, we're talking about people that are willing to forsake everything in their life to follow after Jesus. Matthew 10, 24 through 25. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. Today, everybody's trying to make their, their teacher like them instead of realizing that we have something to learn from the teacher. That's a big struggle in school today. I, w I went to seminary and it seemed like the students wanted to teach the teacher and instead of allowing the teacher to teach them. Seems to be very, very common today in our society. Matthew 12, uh, 20, uh, 49 through 50, he stretched out his hand towards disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And finally, John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, now he's not talking about people that don't believe in him, he said to those who do believe in him, how many of y'all believe in the Lord? So this would include us. And he's saying to us, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples indeed. So if you don't abide in his word, you may call yourself a disciple, but you're not. Right? So just, it's, it's important that we understand Jesus' understanding and not our own understanding. Because a lot of times we bring our under, own understanding to scripture and we begin to determine what's right, what's wrong, how things are, how things are not. And we need to let the Lord do that. And Jesus said, if you are in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, I want to be free without doing that. You can try. But apparently from what Jesus says, if you want to be free, you have to follow his will. Amen? So why is this important? Because Tabitha is called a disciple. She was not just a professor of Jesus or just a simple convert. Not that a convert is not important, but a lot of times we make converts the same as disciples. A convert is the beginning of discipleship, but it's not all there is to discipleship. In our day in society, uh, a lot of uh, the gospel that we preach, we invite people to the front, say this prayer, and you're going to go to heaven. Well, that's conversion. That's not discipleship. 
Discipleship is that now that you've been converted, you need to follow after Christ and learn to do what he says. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. Tabitha was more than just a convert. She was a disciple. She was totally committed to learning from following and carrying out the will of God in her life. Second thing we want to look at is Tabitha was full of good works and charitable deeds. Acts 9.36. Now don't, don't go to a conclusion here. I'm, I'm purposely stopping short because I have a point to make. How the Lord spoke to me, I want to speak to you. You know, it says the woman, Acts 9.36, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, and we're going to stop there, and the next point we look at is going to be which she did. What we want to focus on on this point is that she was full of good works and charitable deeds. Now, the next thing we see about Tabitha is that it is said of her she was full of good works and charitable, charitable deeds. The word full means to be filled, full, complete in extent or degree in every particular. In other words, she was not lacking but was filled with good works and charitable deeds. We might even say she was running over. Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine. How come none of the new Christians read this scripture? Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled actually means be filled and keep on being filled. Why do we have to keep on being filled? Because apparently we leak. So we got to keep adding uh, uh, so that we're completely filled, full, and overflowing. John seven thirty seven through 39, Jesus said, uh, uh, I think it was the woman at the, at the well on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, no, this is another text, sorry. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, another translation says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So the thing about, when we're talking about living water, we're talking about not stagnant water, not water that doesn't move. A lake would be stagnant water, not that it's not fresh water, but it doesn't move. Uh, a pond would be stagnant water, it doesn't move. When we're talking about living water, we're talking about water that flows. Why is the water flowing? Because it has a source. It's moving through, and that water has movement to it. And so when we're talking about rivers of living water, and it's out of your belly, what we're talking about is a continual overflow in your life. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, you probably thought I forgot about Tabitha, but I didn't. Tabitha was a disciple who had received the fullness of the Spirit, and in receiving was filled to the full. The Bible says what she was full of. Some of y'all are full of stuff, but we won't talk about that today. What was Tabitha full of? The Bible says she was full of good works and charitable deeds, right? When we become disciples, when we feed on the Word of God, submit to His ways, and allow the Spirit of God to fill us and continue to fill us, that we will find that we too are filled to overflowing because God who fills all in all lives inside of us. And there is no lack in God. God is all. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, And he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills 
all in all. So we can and should, like Tabitha, because of the Spirit of God who indwells, indwells us, be full of God. And we will then find that when we're full of God, that God is full of all sorts of good things, and that God who is full lives inside of us who are full. In the body, there is everything we need to accomplish anything that needs to be done. And I'm learning that more and more, right? So I'm used to doing things myself because for the longest time, I had to. But now people are willing to use and be used of God, and I'm thankful for that because God is moving on our lives. And what I'm finding is that y'all have gifts and talents that are much greater in certain areas than mine, and y'all are willing to, to accomplish those things, and if we let you do those things, they can get done. We have in the body, we have people that have gifts of service. We have people that have gifts of the Spirit. We have people that have uh, just natural abilities, uh, good at what they do, construction, electricians, mechanics. We have all of those things in the body. Where did you get that knowledge from? Well, I went to school. No, you did go to school, but who put those gifts in you? The Lord did, right? When you are in, in the Old Testament, when God was going to build a tabernacle, he filled Bezalel and Aholiab with the spirit of wisdom to be craftsmen, to create artistically the, uh, the, uh, uh, the bronze and the, and the metal workings that needed to be done, to be able to design the, the, uh, the uh, embroidery that was going to take place, to put everything together. And then there were other people that God filled with things that needed to be done. So what I'm saying is that how they got that is God put that in them. They were filled. Tabitha was filled with something. We are filled with something. If God has something, if God lives inside of us, we're not going to all be filled with the same thing. We will be filled with the Spirit of God, but how the Spirit of God flows through us and what He does in us is going to be different. The key point here is that we are full, and Tabitha was full. What was she full with? She was filled with uh, charitable deeds. And what was the other thing? Full of good works and charitable deeds. We too, like Tabitha, we need to realize that the Bible teaches that we are full of the Lord. We are filled to overflowing. It doesn't matter what we feel like. It doesn't matter how things are going today. This is what God teaches. We, if the Spirit of God indwells us, are full. God lives inside of us. We are full. What we're full of needs to be determined, but we're full. Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 just some of the things that we can be full of we can be full of power we can be full of grace we can be full of mercy we can be full of giftings. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit. You saw that this morning. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. You saw that this morning. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. You saw that this morning. To another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit who works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And where does the Spirit live? Indwells us. And we are filled to overflowing or we should be John 14 and 12 most assuredly another thing we can full of is good works we can be full of good works most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do you will do also and greater works than these will you do because I go to my father so Tabitha was full of good works and charitable deeds now here's what really got me going third point this is the key to everything. She did good works and charitable deeds. You can be full of good works and charitable deeds and not do them. You can be full of the Spirit and not let them out. You hear what I'm saying? You can be full of grace and not give grace. You can be full of mercy and not give mercy. Acts 9.36, this woman, Tabitha, was full of good works and charitable deeds, and this is the key, which she did. See, what really got my mind to working as I read this verse was the part where it says, which she did. So to me, as I thought about this, as believers, as disciples of Christ, we can and should be so full of God, so full of him that we are overflowing. In other words, we do something with what we have. Tabitha did something with what she was full of. She was full of good works and charitable deeds, and she allowed those things to flow out of her. She has a part to play. She had to be willing. She had to be available for God to use her. We want God sometimes to do things in our body. I think we all want God to do things in our lives. We want God to do things in our church. We want God to move, but a lot of times we want God to do it without us. Right? And we want God to do it through other people. But we don't realize is that for God to do them, he's going to have to do them through us. Acts 9, 37 through 39. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And we're talking about Tabitha. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, they heard that Peter was there. They sent two men. Um, and, and they got him there. Peter arose, went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And here's the key. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. So the believers weren't just talking good about Tabitha. If you go to a funeral, everybody talks good about the person that died. It makes you wonder whether it was the same person that you knew before they died. <laughs> just saying, Right? But in her particular case, they were showing Peter the evidence. Look at what she did. Look at what she did. Look at what she did. Look, I want to show her. This is what she did here. She was full of good works and charitable deeds. So I wonder if we were to die, we will at one point. We hope not quickly. We hope not soon. We hope that everybody lives out their life in full and they have a funeral for us. Will they just say good things about us or will they be able to show what we did with our lives? I remember, listen, 
I in no way think that I um, merit anything, but it just an illustration. I I um, got saved 1985, called to go to ministry, uh, went to ministry, uh, went to Bible school in uh, 1987, uh, graduated in 1990, went to seminary. Um, so I was getting my master's degree up in Fort Worth, started working for a church. Um, and in case you think I feel like I'm this great guy, I was working for $75 a week uh, doing whatever needed to be done, um, things that I wouldn't even do in my own house. I did for whatever they asked me to do. I did. Ministry is about serving. Cleaning the bathrooms, okay. Watch, uh, night watch, okay. Whatever needs to be done. And in the meantime, I was a youth pastor as well. I was there for four and a half years. And again, uh, I have a bachelor's degree, working on my master's degree, going to seminary, and I'm youth pastoring. And I was glad to do it. But from the time that I started there, four and a half years later, I left. Youth ministry probably never got more than 15, 12 to 15 kids, right? So when I left there, because we tend to think in terms of numbers, I, I left thinking that, uh, well, I, I did what I needed to do, but I don't feel like I was successful. Uh, because I have uh, people that I know that when they got into youth ministry, youth went from 10 to 500. Youth went from uh, 25 to 5,000. And I'm thinking, man, we went from 5 to 15. I don't feel successful. And one day my pastor called me. And I was talking to him, and I would just start telling him stuff. He said, I just want you to know something. Out of that group that you ministered to, you may think you didn't have a lot of success, but five of them went on to full-time ministry. It's not about numbers. Your life can make a difference. Now, I don't know where they're going to end up, but um, I, could, I could probably... Um, if there was a funeral today and people came and said, my life was changed because of what you did in my life, there would be evidence that my life had value. There would be evidence that I was doing something for God, right? We need to have more than just talk. We are full of good works, charitable deeds, gifts of the Spirit. Now it's time for evidence. Not just from some, from all. The time has changed. The season has changed. It's not enough to just go to church and attend. No, we are the church. We must be. That was better than what you amen right there. Going to church is not about attendance and about attending an organization. It is about being the church. It is about doing. If you can sing, you sing. If you can serve, you serve. If you can, uh, uh, whatever gifts, talents you have, God put them in you so that you could do something with them. It doesn't have to just be in the church. It can be in the community. It can be in the school, whatever. But you need to let what God has put in you out. Tabitha didn't just talk a good game. Tabitha had evidence to demonstrate that she was indeed what she said she was, a disciple of the Lord because she was full of good works and charitable deeds, and she did them. 1 Peter 4.10 And as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That word minister is serve it, give it. Every one of us has something. We need to give it to each other as good stewards 
of the manifold grace of God. Every person has been bestowed with grace-given gifts that were not earned but divinely imparted by God's grace. These are not gifts bestowed for the purpose of boasting. They are given and released and activated to reveal God to man. And you have these powerful gifts inside of you, just waiting for you to take possession of them and to use them. The word stewards in Greek is from the Greek word oikonomos, which is a compound of the word oikos and nomos. You don't have to remember that. The word oikos is the Greek word for a house, and nomos refers to the rule of law. You put these words together, and literally it means the rule of the house. In Greek culture, the steward was specifically used to describe the household manager of a wealthy upper-class home. This steward or household manager was responsible for keeping law and order in the house. The owners of the house had found this person faithful and therefore elevated him to the powerful ruling position of chief manager over their personal property, property and private affairs. This chief manager was accountable for overseeing the house itself, the gardens surrounding the house, the contents inside the home, the assets and treasures of the family. He was also in charge of distributing wages faithfully and on time to the other servants and employees who worked in the house. For the master of the house to give this much responsibility to one person was a great trust, and the master demanded that his household manager faithfully perform according to his expectations. By using the word oikonomos, or steward, in this verse, Peter asserted that when God placed his God-given, grace-given gifts inside of each of us, he was making us the stewards of his own personal treasures. Because of this, he expects us to be faithful managers of the gifts and talents he has entrusted to our care. We are to use our gifts, our talents, our abilities as God intended when he gave them to us, when he bestowed them to us by his grace. He expects us to use our gifts faithfully and on time to meet the needs of those around us and to do it in such a way that he receives all the glory. Every single one of us has received grace-given gifts from God. Everyone, if you're a child of God, even if you're not a child of God, you have gifts. If you're a child of God, you have grace gifts that God has given unto you. Everyone. There is no exception. Now, some may have five talents. Some may have three talents. Some may have one talent. Just to give you a clue, when I went to Bible school, I used to, I, used to, I don't know if you knew this, but um, I used to struggle a lot with insecurity. Anybody here ever have that problem? So... <laughs> When I went to Bible school, I used to go around and say, when God saved me, he saved someone with five talents, and I'm going to use it for God. Praise the Lord. Looking back on that, I realized, no, I think I was given one, but I've been faithful to use the one. It doesn't matter how many gifts you've been given. Have you been faithful? Use what God has given you. Like when I used to play tennis, I didn't know if you knew this, I used to play tennis. Um, but when I first started playing tennis, my brother was younger than me, and he actually beat me uh, when we were young, and that bothered me. A younger brother should never beat the older brother, ever. So I went to work, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, looking back on it, not having, um, at this time my brother passed away when he was 40, so not having that competition or competitiveness, when I look back on it, my brother was more talented than I was. 
but he didn't use his talent um, judiciously. He wasn't faithful to cultivate it. He wasn't faithful to do something. I was not as talented as he was, but I practiced every day. I played every day. I used what I had to the best of my ability, and my brother never beat me again. Right? So I learned something from that. Use what you have to the best of your ability. Don't complain that somebody else has something more than you or been given more than you. Whether they have or not is not really the key. It's are you being faithful with what you have? What you may what you will find is that people that are faithful with little will be faithful with much. And oftentimes what we say is, if you give me much, I'll give you back a little. How many people have ever said, if I win the lottery, I'll give God 10%. And then you start doing the numbers and you say, man, that's a big lottery. I'll give you 50%, God, because I'll still have a lot. Well, I'll tell you something. If you don't give now, you won't give then. If you don't give 10% now, you're not going to give 10% then. If you're not faithful with little, you will not be faithful with much. I'm not giving you permission to win the lottery. I'm just telling you, uh, using it as an example because people kind of do that all the time. Every single one of us has received grace-given gifts from God. We must embrace what God has placed inside of us. You need to stop telling yourself that you have nothing to contribute. If you say that, you're making God himself a liar. And God is not a liar. God made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God deposited something in your life. It may not be like everybody else, but you have a deposit from God. Right? So you need to take ownership of what God has placed in your life and do the best you can to meet the needs of others. It's not for you. The gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given you are not for you. They're for those around you so that you can bless them. You can, like God, give away what you have. And I promise you that in the kingdom of God, if you give, God will give back to you, right? That's what Tabitha did with what God put in her. By faith, she let it out. Now, I'm going to meddle a little bit and talk about, like, the situation that's going on in our country today. The reason our country's in the condition that it's in, whether you agree with me or not, what I see is that people have used power for their own benefit used to think, well, it only happened in South America countries. No, it happens today, and it's, it's actually bold in your face. They'll lie to you out of one and do something else out of the other, but the bottom line is they're stripping you of your power and your wealth so they can use it for their own benefit. I'm not naming any names. I'm just telling you that's what's happening. Corruption is the same across the board. God didn't give you power and ability and responsibility and all that kind of stuff for you to aggrandize yourself. He gave it so that we can help others. So that we can, uh, 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 the Bible says, pure religion and undefiled is this, to care for the widows and the orphans in their distress. To cause other people to come up higher. I give what I have so that you can come higher. Leadership in the kingdom is not about you being at the top. Leadership in the kingdom is about you being at the bottom, holding everybody else up. Right? God gives you strength so that you can carry people, so that you can help them, and eventually they can turn around and they can help carry others. That's what it means to be a Christian, is to give your life. Not to take, but to give. 
It's what it means to be mature. It's what it means to be uh, 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 Christ-like. Christ didn't come to take from the world. He came to give. He gave of himself. He gave himself completely so that he became poor so that you and I can become rich in God. And we're called to do the same. But we'll never see that happen if we don't give away what we have. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your life. The Christian life is a life of faith from beginning to end. Romans 1.17, this is the Amplified. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. It's disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. What I want us to grasp today is that faith is demonstrated in action. Faith without works is dead, right? James 2 and 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So we can accept God's promise and actually possess in our very hands great capabilities, abilities, talents, gifts, uh, and also because we do not act upon our faith, it becomes dormant, powerless, and useless, and as James tells us, dead. And that's why we have a weak, powerless church in general. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the church in general. We have a weak, powerless church because we've been given so much and we do so little. Did you know, a long time ago, I don't have the statistics, but did you know that, that the church spends more money on ice cream than they do the works that God wants us to do? Somebody did those statistics. Isn't that incredible? Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, not know your good theology, not hear your good confession. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that they may see your good works. What did they see when Jesus walked the planet? The blind see, the deaf hear, the, le- the dead are reigns, right, right? The, the lame walk, uh, 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 the lepers are cleansed. They saw good works, how Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good healing, all who were oppressed of the enemy for God was with him. I think the world thinks that we're powerless and we're poor and we're weak because they want to help us. And in reality is we've lived that way, accepting anything the world wants to do for us because we don't realize how wealthy that we are in Christ and we have something of value to give that the world needs. We need to be the people that are no longer with hat in hand taking from people. We need to recognize that we have all, in Christ we have all, we are full, and people need to come to us to receive from God. Because God is not poor, and neither are we. And I'm not talking about money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify, not you, your Father in heaven. So in our text, we found that Tabitha was full of good works and charitable deeds, and what made her noteworthy was she allowed them to flow out of her. 
like Tabitha, we can and should be full with all that God has put in us. And like her, we must do something with them. As good stewards, we too are to use our gifts, talents, resources, and abilities as God intended when he bestowed them to us. He expects us to use them faithfully to meet the needs of those around us and to do it in a way that brings glory to him. I want to be able to, and I want you to be able to one day, and this is why we teach these things, that when God says, what did you do with what I gave you? You can say, look at what I did with what you gave me. You don't just bury what he gave you in the sand. Everybody got something, but one of those people buried it in the sand. And was God pleased with that? No. And the reality is if we don't do nothing with what God has given to us, we are in essence burying it in the sand. And we say, well, when you come back, I'll show you what you gave me. I didn't do anything with it. God is expecting that we use what he gave us, generate something with what he gave us, and in that, we will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I don't want you to look at today as a reproof or a correction. I want you to look at today as a challenge. You are full. I'm not just saying that. I'm telling you, you are full. The presence of God has filled you to the full. Now, the next step is to do something with what we're filled with. Right? Do something with it. Release the giftings and the grace that God has put in you. Some of you have grace and gifts of mercy. Some of you have gifts of grace. Some of you have gifts of healing. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm waiting for the person that has gifts of miracles and gifts of healings, working of miracles and working of healings to be released in our body. It doesn't have to be me. Right? It doesn't have to be me. If you want to use me, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. But it doesn't have to be me because it doesn't matter who it is. What matters is that it's available for all. And if we stop being jealous and suspicious and allow the giftings of God to work through us, if you have a gift of healings, I'll say, hey, man, uh, you know, uh, pray for me. <laughs> you know, hey, I prayed for you. It didn't work. Call this person over here. They have the gift of healing, and they can pray for you. You know, the goal is that you get better. The goal is that you get whole. And other things that are working in your body, some of us are good with money, and we, other people aren't. And we that aren't need to learn from the ones that are. I'm talking to myself right? God, when he left, did not leave us alone. He actually did the best thing he could do when he ascended is he allowed the Holy Spirit to descend. And the Holy Spirit lives and indwells us. And in the Holy Spirit, if we recognize who God is that lives inside of us and who it is that lives inside of us. It's not about us, it's about him. Who it is that lives inside of us. We have everything we need to accomplish anything we need to do to overcome any challenge that is sent our way to be victorious and overcome. We have it all, right? So it's just a matter of recognizing what God has done in us and doing something with it. And I challenge you today, go before the Lord and say, God, what have you put in me and what can I do to release the giftings that you've given me in Christ.